cut off, alienated, estranged, banished, exiled. Those aren't the type of words you expected to hear as we begin a December 24th sermon, as we begin this assembly this morning. But I think if we're going to understand Jesus and why He came, what His story is all about, and how, with our series this month on baptism, how our baptism connects us to that story, then we have to begin with exile. We have to begin in darkness. The world that the light, Jesus, came into was a dark world. It was a world that was exiled from God. Think about those words for just a second. Cut off. Alienated. Estranged. Exiled. Away from God. In darkness. Ruled by darkness. Under, as Paul puts it, the domain of darkness. Under the rule and the authority of the devil. The snake. The serpent. The dragon. The Satan. That's the world that Jesus came into. And maybe you've felt that way personally, exiled from God, estranged from God, cut off from God. But the world that we've lived in for the last 2,000 years is a different world, praise God, than the world B.C., before Christ came into the world. Because of mankind's rebellion, because of mankind's sin, both the Jew in their trespasses and the Gentile in their uncircumcision were cut off from God, exiled from God, estranged from God. But God so loved that world. But God so loved this world that was in darkness, this world that was exiled, this world that was estranged, this world that was alienated, this world that was in rebellion, this world that was under the authority of Satan. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish should not reap the consequences of rebellion, but should have everlasting life. The light came into the world of darkness, born miraculously. That's what the world today is celebrating, isn't it? The fact that God in human flesh came into the world, and in some ways came into the world just like every human being came into the world, born of a mother, but in a miraculous way, born of a young virgin in Israel, born in a barn, but grew up, came into the world to be the new king, the king of kings, the lord of lords. All authority in heaven and on earth 
given to Him. You see, Jesus coming into the world changed everything. God sent His Son into the world to end the exile. Isn't that good news? That's good news. I mean, just picture it in your mind, this world, all of humanity in darkness, exiled from God, away from God, cut off from God, estranged from God, alienated from God. And God sent His Son, not to punish, not to condemn, not to judge, because they'd already been condemned. God sent His Son to rescue God sent His Son to end the exile. God sent His Son to bring people to life. His coming into the world was a miracle. His burial and resurrection was a miracle. What His blood does for man is a miracle. What He continues to do is a miracle. And so we celebrate. And this morning, I want us to think just for a minute about what our baptism, if indeed you're a baptized person, has to do with that story. And if you're not a baptized person, I want to encourage you to think about becoming a baptized person so that you can see how that act, how that event, how that moment connects you to the story of the Savior, the Redeemer, the Rescuer, who's come into the world to end the exile. Look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. I want to let the Bible do most of the talking because I I have a tendency to interrupt. So I'm going to try to keep my thoughts to a minimum. But I I want us to look at, at quite a lot of what Paul has to say about Jesus and why Jesus is really, at the end of the day, all that we need. Jesus is all that we need. He was writing to people that were being led astray or had the potential to be led astray by other teachings and other philosophies and superstitions and doctrines. And Paul said, stick with Jesus because he's all you need. Look at Colossians 1 and verse 13. He, that is God, God has delivered us, rescued us, from the domain, the rule, the power, the authority, the jurisdiction of darkness, and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Our ransom has been paid. Our debt has been wiped away, he says. Look at verse 15. And this part, verses 15 through 20, is a poem. And I know it doesn't usually look like that in our Bibles, but if we read it in the original language and we knew what we were looking at, we would know that this is poetic language. So maybe some people think maybe this was already a poem that they knew, or a song maybe, that they knew, and Paul was reminding them of this song that they knew. Or maybe, and I I like to think of it this way, that Paul is giving them this song. In just a moment, we're going to take the Lord's Supper and we're going to sing more songs about Jesus. And I hope that as we do, you'll remember that for the last 2,000 years, we've been singing about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. Here's the song or the poem. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn 
of all creation. Reminds us of Genesis, doesn't it? All humanity was supposed to be the image bearers of God and was supposed to be over the creation. But we did a pretty lousy job of that, didn't we? And so Jesus comes to be our elder brother, the firstborn of all creation. And the exact representation of the invisible God. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything, that in everything, He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through Him to reconcile to Himself all things. Do you see? Do you see how He is the exile ender? He is the the darkness ender? He is the light who comes into the world to end the exile, to end the estrangement? To end the alienation. He comes into the world to reconcile, bring back together all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace, making peace by the blood of his cross. You see, heaven and earth were at war. Heaven, the place of light, earth, the place of darkness. Heaven, the place of God, earth, the place of mankind ruled by the forces of darkness. And God broke into the world, not to destroy, but to reconcile all things to Himself, making peace by the blood of His cross. Verse 21, And you, and you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, who once were alienated, and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue, and this is Paul's whole point in this whole book, if you continue in the faith. That's a message some of us need to hear this morning, isn't it? This is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus has come to do. This is what Jesus has done and is doing and will do in you personally forever. If, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel, the good news that you heard, which has been proclaimed. It's proclaimed. One scholar put it like it's this tidal wave that's gone out to all creation, letting all the world know the exile is over. Death is no more. Victory has been won. If indeed you hold fast. Proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Paul will go on to say things like, in Christ are hidden, listen to this, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 
Don't, don't, don't accept or swallow anything else. Don't go anywhere else. Don't go looking for anything else in Him. In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Some of us think fulfillment is going to be found out there. We think fulfillment is going to be found in having letters after our name or having more money in our bank account or having a different car or a better house or retiring well or maybe finding that special someone. Some of us think fulfillment is going to be found in whatever. But in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. He'll go on to say, look at verse 9 of chapter 2. For in Him, this is what it's all about, isn't it? For in Christ, the whole fullness of deity, the whole fullness of God dwells, not not dwelt, past tense, but present tense, dwells bodily. For in Jesus, all the fullness of God dwells bodily. Do you want to know God? Do you, do you want to know what kind of God He is? I, I know that some of you grew up in a home or in an environment or with a way of thinking about God that wasn't healthy. It wasn't good. Maybe you have this picture of God like He's this, as some say, a cosmic cop who's just waiting for you to break a rule. Maybe you have this idea of God like he, he hates you and He's out to get you or He wants to trap you. Look, if you want to know what the invisible God is like, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. All the fullness of deity dwells in Jesus. When Jesus showed up on this earth and He showed us who He was, He wasn't just showing us who he was. He was showing us who the Father was. Isn't that what his apostles asked? His apostles said, show us the Father. He said, listen, you've been with me all this time. You don't know? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. Do you want to know what God wants? Listen to Jesus. Do you you want to know how God thinks? Listen to Jesus. If you know, if you want to know what God is all about, listen to Jesus. If you want to know how much God loves you and whether or not God is there for you or whether or not God cares about you, listen to Jesus. All the fullness, everything that is God, everything that makes God God, all the fullness of the triune God dwells in Jesus bodily. And you, and you, and here's where it gets personal again. And you have been filled in Him. In Him. That, that's an interesting phrase, isn't it? In Him. In other words, in your connection to Him. In your relationship to Him. In your relationship to Jesus, you've been filled. You've been fulfilled. You've been completed. You've been filled up. All the fullness of God dwells bodily in Jesus. And in your relationship to Jesus, 
you've been made complete. Everything that you were lacking, everything that you were needing, every hole that you had was or can be filled by Him. So you keep thinking. We keep thinking, don't we? We keep thinking, even after we've come to hear the gospel, even after we've heard about Jesus, even celebrating Jesus coming into the world, and then we go out on Monday morning, or Tuesday, or Wednesday, or Thursday, or Friday, and we think fulfillment is going to be found in something else. God's Word says, if you are in Jesus, if you are connected to Jesus, you already have fulfillment. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Just, just stop. And just think about and contemplate and meditate on what you have in Jesus. You have been or are being or could be filled up by Him, in Him, if you hold fast to the Word of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 11. Now, here's a couple things. Here's where we get to the baptism idea. Verse 11. In Him also, so in your relationship to Jesus, you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So, Paul says two things happen in your relationship to Jesus. There are really three things. One, you're filled with Him or filled by Him, completed in Him. And then two, you are circumcised. What's, what's that mean? Now he says it's not a it's not a physical circumcision. It's not a circumcision made with hands. It's a spiritual circumcision. It's putting off the body of flesh, not not the flesh like your skin, but the flesh like your weakness, and that of you that has been defiled by sin. And, and more importantly, circumcision stands for being your mark of covenant membership. Right? That's what it meant to be a circumcised person. That, that, that's how the Jews thought about circumcision and thought about being a part of God's people. Paul says, listen, it, it's not a circumcision made with hands. It's not a physical circumcision that makes you God's covenant people. It's being in Jesus. That's how you have a right relationship with God is through Jesus. So in Him, you've been granted covenant membership. And then secondly, and, and here's a little bit different metaphor. So we had the circumcision metaphor. And then verse 12, he says, having been buried with Him in baptism. So first he's talking about circumcision and here he's talking about burial. He says, this is also what happened to you in Jesus. In Jesus, you were buried with Jesus in which you were also, that is, in baptism, you were raised with Him. You were raised with Jesus through faith in the powerful working of God. Like we said last week, that baptism is an act of faith, isn't it? You're putting your faith in, in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. That's what you're doing when you're baptized, isn't it? You're saying, God... I am spiritually uncircumcised. I am spiritually dead. And I'm putting my faith in you. I'm putting my faith in you whose power raised Jesus from the dead. 
And Paul says that in your baptism, you were buried with Jesus and then you were raised with Him. You know what, you know what we call that when somebody is raised from dead to life? What do we call that? We call that a miracle, don't we? And that, that's what happens. Not, not because there's magic power in the water, not because of magic words that are said or who baptized you or anything like that. It's through faith in the one who raised Jesus from the dead. By you putting your faith in Jesus, you putting your faith in the Father, you're raised from the dead. Look at what he says in verse, verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. You were so cut off. Humanity, and me personally, and you personally, was so cut off from God, was so utterly exiled from God, was so utterly alienated from God, was so out of touch with God, was so disconnected from God that the only word that adequately captures our spiritual state is dead. And God raised you to life. That's a miracle, isn't it? I didn't always think about baptism like that. I didn't always think about what happens when somebody puts their faith in God. A miracle happens. A dead person comes to life. That's what happens when you put your faith in Jesus. When you put your faith in the one whose powerful, powerful working raised Jesus from the dead. He says, verse 13, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Every debt we owed, every law, every statute that stood against us, nailed to the cross. He disarmed, verse 15, the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him or in the cross. Victory. Triumph. Death to life. Not only did the Son of God come into the world miraculously and was raised from the dead miraculously by the powerful working of God, But if you've put your faith in Him and been buried with Him in baptism, the Bible says that you've been raised to life. You've experienced a miracle. Isn't that amazing? I mean, just just think about what's been going on in the world. Think with a little bit of an imagination here. Think about what's been going on in the world for the last 2,000 years. A world completely alienated a world completely in exile, a world shrouded in darkness, and light comes into the dark world. And the darkness did not understand it. The darkness hated the light, but it didn't overcome it, did it? You you thought it might have. I mean, from the very moment he was born, the forces of darkness conspired against him. Herod sent men to kill the babies in Bethlehem. And from that moment on throughout his life, the forces of evil conspired against him, even putting him to death. But our God claimed victory. Not only did he come to life, but everyone whose life he's touched, 
Everyone who's put their faith in Jesus, the Messiah, has come from death to life. And so we say, I once was dead. I was dead, but now I'm alive. That's what I want us to walk away this morning remembering. I was dead, but now I'm alive. That's what we celebrate. That's what we celebrate in Jesus coming to the world. That's what we celebrate in the life that He lived as showing us God. Showing us God. Yes, Jesus came to die, but He came to show us God. In every word that He spoke, in every sick person that He touched, in every mouth that He fed, He came to show us God. He came to show us that a sparrow can't fall to the ground without the Father knowing it. He came to show us that God cares about your hurt, and God cares about your ache, and God cares about your pain, and God wants to reconcile you to Himself. God wants you connected to Him. And you used to be dead. But now in Christ, you can be alive. So let's live our lives that way. Shouldn't we? How how would you live your life differently if you experienced something like this on a physical level? If someone brought you from death to life, how would you live your life? How would you show them your gratitude and appreciation? This is how we live out our baptism. We live our lives as people who once were dead, but now in Christ we've been made alive. Let's live that way. Let's stop thinking that fulfillment and the answers and that which is going to complete us is found in anything but Jesus. He is the fullness of God. The fullness of God dwells in Him bodily and He fills you up in Himself. We once were dead, but now we're alive. If you're dead this morning, if you're alienated and exiled, separated, cut off, disconnected from God, Jesus invites you to come home. If we can pray with you, if we can encourage you, there's a room in the back after services. We're going to take communion. We're going to sing some songs. But after worship, if you want to meet with some of the shepherds or right now in this moment, if we can help you, if we can pray for you, if you're ready to put Jesus on in baptism and come from death to life and experience the miracle that Jesus has continued to work in the world, then we would encourage you to come now as together we stand and sing.